You're listening to the Run the Riot podcast, where we talk about all things ultra running. I'm your host, David Terrio, and man, I'm pumped that you are here. Let's see what we can get into today. Hey there, my friends. Welcome to this week's episode of the Run the Riot podcast. And this week, we've got Miss Kathleen Egan. Man, I really enjoyed getting to visit with her. She's done some awesome races, culminating most recently in 2022 with the Bigfoot 200. And she finished first female, man. She crushed it. Her and her husband have been on so many amazing adventures, bagging peaks, doing long through hikes. Just listen along while she casually mentions all the major things that she's done. We probably could have talked for three hours about all these adventures, but we had to cut it short and just amazing. You're going to love all the things that we talk about in this episode. First, we've got to thank our sponsors, the Outlaw Race Series. Check out the Outlaw Race Series, www.outlaw100.com. Man, they've got fantastic races all around Oklahoma and Southern Kansas. You will love the races. They're put on by great people. They know how to take care of ultra runners and trail runners. And uh, man, all of their races have distances from really low to somewhat higher. And uh, most of them have ultra distances. Check out the Lake McMurtry Run in Stillwater in April. The Greater Roadrunner Trail Run in Romanoe State Park in Watonga. There's a 4, 6, and a 12-mile option. The Flower Moon in Pawhuska. Dark and Dirty in Wilburton. Flat Rock Fall Running Festival in Independence, Kansas in September. The Thunderbird in Norman in November. And the Outlaw 100 that is in February that has distances from 135 miles all the way down to a 5K. And, uh, man... Just great races. Can't recommend them enough. I do a bunch of them. They're awesome. We're also brought to you by Pure Tiva. Guys, we do some crazy things and we need to recover. And Pure Tiva is all about CBD recovery. There's a roll-on with a broad-spectrum CBD that works fantastic on injuries and things that you have. There's also a cream that I love to put on sore muscles. Their sleep chews are amazing. It's all made in the USA and has an awesome bioavailable delivery system. So go to Tiva, T-I-V-A.TheRiot.Run. We're also brought to you by Runner's World Tulsa. Go to www.runnersworldtulsa.com. And if you're in Tulsa and you need anything, you need shoes, you need a pack, you need clothes, man, just anything, you go by Runner's World Tulsa and they will help you out. They know what they're doing. They run. They've been around runners. They're all about it. And so go to Runner's World Tulsa. And last but certainly not least, Long Run Coffee. Yep, it's coffee with infused electrolytes. Check it out. Go to coffee.runtheriot.run and you can check out the Run the Riot podcast blend. How cool is that? That is all for now. Let's go on to the podcast. Today on the Run the Riot podcast, we have Kathleen Egan. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing well. Just we've been having some snow days here in Oklahoma. So I've been, I work for a school, so I've been off for a couple of days. So it's been nice. That does sound nice. We've had a good winter too out here. Yeah. So where are you located? I'm in Seattle, Washington. 
I've only been there once is when I DNF Bigfoot. So we're, we'll get to Bigfoot in a little while. So. Okay. <laughs> so how long have you been in Seattle? I have been here off and on since 1995, a long time. I went away to graduate school and then came back because I love the coast and the mountains. Nice. Nice. Man, I'm so jealous because I, I grew up in South Louisiana and now I'm in Oklahoma. So it's like there's no mountains. But it sounds like you do a fair bit of traveling destination races. So that's yeah. that's a great way to to get away from the regular then. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so just for everybody listening, one of my former guests, Nick Fowler, who who's a friend now, him and I have gotten together, we keep up with each other. And he's the one that, that kind of introduced us through Facebook. And I just want to hear real quick, how, you guys had an interesting meeting. How did you guys meet? Yeah, that's a good question, actually. <laughs> we met by chance on the Pacific Northwest Trail in the summer of 2021. And we were, my husband and I were doing the through hike and we okay. were going east to west. So we took the train, overnight train out to Montana and started at Glacier National Park and basically walked home. It was awesome. Now, Nick chose the harder route. It's debatable, but we think it's harder to go the other way. And so we were already several weeks in in Bellingham, the Chuckanuts, and he came up the opposite direction and with his small little pack, all full of energy and said, he probably smelled us. He just basically, we, he knew we were through hikers. <laughs> He's yeah, like, nice. something about them. So he asked, he said, are you doing the PNT? And we said, we are. And we said, are you? And he said, yes. And when did you start? And then we realized our jaw dropped. Like he had just started a few days earlier. And we were like, okay, this guy is doing big miles. And he was so friendly, spunky. Like he was setting an FKT and did it. And yeah. still stopped and talked to us and all the things. And I was like, this guy has good energy. So after that, I went and looked him up and connected and followed him for the rest of his massive like undertaking. That was pretty impressive what he ended up doing. And we've been in touch ever since. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Nick is such a, just such a good guy. And I agree. Positive energy. Just enjoy mm -hmm. talking to him. Okay. This was toward the beginning of his FKT attempt. Was he clothed when you guys met up with him? He was, but I know later he was not at times, but he did happen to have, I think he had shorts on and a shirt. Yeah. Tiny little pack. I thought he was going for a day run. He had a little, a tiny little pack, but impressive guy. Yeah. But he was clothed. <laughs> yeah yeah okay good yeah yeah because that came out on the podcast and i was like oh my gosh dude <laughs> i know oh okay so you're you've been in seattle but i noticed that because i did a little digging trying to find out a little bit about you but i noticed you graduated high school not in the united states what's that all about correct i grew up in germany born and raised there born in heidelberg grew up in outside of frankfurt university in munich first year and then immigrated to the states in 1991 for college like sophomore year of college Wow. So my formative years were all in Germany. My mother's German. Half the family's German. And the other half is Irish. Wow. You don't like have an accent or anything. Like I would never would have guessed it. I know. It's I surprise people. We went to English speaking schools and in the home, my dad was Irish. So we spoke both languages. But as a, I loved that living overseas and, and having that experience. I took it for granted at the time, but now I look yeah. back and I'm like, that was really great. I always wanted to be in the United States when I was living over there. And now I'm yeah. glad that I have had both. Yeah. Brought you to the United States. College, actually. I just wanted, okay. and I started in Munich and then wanted to transfer. And I thought, I want to do something else. And maybe something a little bit scary. Like my whole family tree was still in Europe. I was the very first one to immigrate. And I came over at 17. I was a sophomore in college or 18. I just turned 18. 
And I thought, okay, that's, I don't know anyone. I haven't lived in the States. Like I, it was all new. And, and I thought, I'm going to, I'm going to go for it and see what it's like. So that's what happened. And I loved it. And I stayed. Yeah. Huge step to just cross the ocean and come, yeah, come to college. Obviously you had some kind of adventuring spirit there that you didn't mind taking on a challenge and doing something outside the box. Yes. I've always loved adventure. I've always loved a little bit of risk taking and, and whatever's foreign for me. And for me, that was the U S right. I like yeah. foreign something, the unknowns I'm curious. So I think yeah. that's what brought me over. And then I didn't know I was going to stay, but my parents then were asking me, are you going to come back? Because they wanted to retire and we're a small family. And so I said, actually, life is pretty good here. I think I'm going to stay. And they said, okay, we'll come over. So we all immigrated then. Oh, wow. That's pretty yeah. cool. So before we get into the physical aspects of it, adventuring and why we're on this podcast, I also noticed that you, what did you graduate in? Because it sounds interesting in light of the past few years. Oh, yeah. Good question. <laughs> yeah. when I So I ended up studying infectious disease epidemiology. So I went out to Georgia, Emory University. I wanted to work at the CDC and do some field work there and ended up doing that, working in the trauma center at Grady Hospital. It, I had read Hot Zone and I wanted to solve the unknowns, the disease outbreaks, fly into Africa and find out what the flesh-eating bacteria are and do all that stuff. And, and so I went into that not like preparing myself for that pandemic, definitely not realizing we'd actually reach that. So I worked yeah. in that field for 12 years between Emory and the Grady Hospital. Then I came to Washington State and worked at University of Washington for a number of years there. And I loved my career there. And then I ended up taking a career break with my husband to travel around the world and do some multi-year backpacking around the world and volunteer. And so that's when I left that. And then we volunteered our jobs because he's a veterinarian. We ended up in Africa doing things but yeah, it's funny how things work out. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And I was going to ask you, cause I, I did poke at your blog and some of the things go that you had going on there. So how long did you guys do the travel, the travel all over an adventure? Yeah, we ended up planning one and a half years and we actually got married on the way in Thailand and we had 32 people come over to the wedding. It's on the beach. Wow. And then after that, we sent every, those, that wedding attire home and took off and went to Southeast Asia for four months and then Africa for six. And it basically extended the trip for a total of two and a half years. We never thought we would have done that because we didn't have the budget for it, but we ended up paving away just because the universe supported and we were volunteering and all of a sudden we were being fed room and food and room and board. And we had friends like just, it felt like that's what we were supposed to be doing because it was easy. It was yeah. really easy and not expensive. We made our money last and we just had a blast. It was a great period of two and a half years of growth, exploration, and just living and volunteering and helping when we could and taking opportunities as they came up. That's amazing. And it's interesting. I've got a lot of friends, ultra running friends from, from Europe, and I'm always surprised following them how they go on holiday a lot and they're big things like they're coming to the United States for weeks at a time. And I know they have more vacation, but I think we can, I, I could learn a lesson from them. If you really want to do it, do something like that. You can make it happen. You just you can make it work. You can budget for it. You can figure it out and, and have these adventures. I don't know. I wish I would do even more of that. <laughs> I love it. It's very simple living. And something about that's really gratifying. Very yeah. simple, one backpack, maybe a few items of clothing, not a lot of decisions. So a lot of that white noise gone. It's yeah. so good just to be simple and not have all that clutter 
And that was a really beautiful experience. And we've since come home, worked, saved, and gone for six months periods and come back if there's family or something that we need to be home for or friends or important events. And then we leave again. So it's been a great lifestyle. We had not planned on doing that, but we've been doing it now for almost 13 years together. (laughs) <laughs> oh, that's so cool. That's so cool. So a, a quick question on that, because like I strive to try to do things minimalist. My wife's got a little bit different approach of, to that life, so it makes it tough. But do you find yourself when you came back and you got had a home again and all that, that you maybe started collecting things and had to discipline yourself like not to do that? I think by default, you just acquire and accumulate. You don't even realize it. It just happens all of a sudden oh this pile that pile and then one of the things that i love is when we do leave it forces us to go through things and give it away and find a new home for it if we haven't used it in a while maybe we don't need it yeah it's good check in yeah years ago i moved to hawaii and i couldn't take much with me and it was very cathartic to get rid of all the things like my shoes <laughs> yeah <laughs> got way too many shoes but anyway. a lot of shoes running shoes yeah well, <laughs> priorities you right can, you can justify that yeah. yeah let's get to running and adventuring because done some things that i think are really really cool and i went and i looked at your ultra sign up and i was like wow there's some really cool races on there that we might want to talk about but before we when you were Growing up in Germany, did you, were you athletic? Did you run? Did you do things? Did you hike? In Germany, we were a ski family. So our vacations were to the Alps and we'd go in the winter and stay at the guest house and ski in Austria or ski in Switzerland, ski in parts of Germany. My dad was a voracious skier, really talented. And we just follow him. I never took a ski lesson, but I, I followed his tracks and that's what we would do as a family. I wasn't a team sports person. And I enjoyed running, but I never really pursued that. It wasn't until much later, but I wouldn't say I was particularly athletic. I traveled a lot. I had a little VW bug and I'd get around for really cheap to different countries and explored that way. And then I skied. Those were the two things, travel and skiing. Gotcha. Gotcha. So what introduced you to, first of all, running and then, you know, yeah, first of all, running, what introduced you to that and how did that come about? I... It was probably graduate school. I was looking in the late 90s. I was looking for a way to get away from sitting in the library or sitting in my room studying nonstop. And it was cheap. It didn't require a yeah. lot of time because I actually have had a background at the time in mountain biking. I really loved doing that. But that was a little more time intensive where you have to load the bike up and drive and find a place and do that. Running was just out the door. It was yeah. easy. It was effective. And also it got the blood flow going in between when I was trying to study things intensively. Okay, let me just get outside and run a few laps around around the neighborhood and come back and refresh my brain. That's when it really started. And then I had some friends that were like, hey, let's do a marathon. Let's train for that. And I said, oh, so we picked a date and we, that was our goal. And that was the first time I really did a long distance race. Nice. Yeah. Which marathon? It was LRB Springs in North Carolina. It was adorable. It was small one. (laughs) And cows, white picket fences, old country, like you finish and everybody's having a family style meal and everybody knows everybody. And it it was such a good experience and everybody was encouraging and supportive. And I thought, I really want to do that again. So that kind of set the stage and then it was on my mind. And then it just took time for another opportunity because then I got really busy. I had to do my thesis and wrap up school and stuff like that. But Yeah, that's when it started pretty much. So doing your first marathon, like my first race was a marathon. And did you enjoy the process of training and then, I don't know, then accomplishing accomplishing that goal, that big goal? I did because it got me out. And it also, it was a way to 
So when I was in graduate school, it was a pretty intensive program and I graduated half a year early and I was working also like 20 hours a week and writing a paper, getting public. Like I was doing so many things. So it was my way, that was my social. So it was like, okay, I can get my exercise and catch up with friends. And even if we had to nerd out and talk about what we were studying, it was like a study session. Basically it was all about efficiency. Like how can I do all of it with the least amount of time? So I did enjoy the process for that. And I also didn't feel any pressure. I just wanted to get out and try something new. And I had done some races in Germany, like the Frankenstein's Castle Run. That was just a hill run. And I liked it. So I knew I liked that. But a marathon was a much bigger distance for me at the time. And it was, yeah, it was really a fun process. And then the race itself was adorable. It was grassroots, just charming, small town. It was just all in all a great experience. And my friend had a great race, high fives, just success, good spirits, nice people, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Really. I don't know. A good way to drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah. Yeah. So what got you, where did you transition from road marathon to to trail running and to, to ultra marathoning? After I finished up from graduate school, I moved back to Seattle. And I was like, either I want to get into adventure racing. That was a thing that was going on there. I did end up trying that. But then I was focusing on triathlon. I was like, I'm just going to sign up for an Ironman. I'd never done triathlon. I didn't, I was not a swimmer, didn't know how to open water, swim, but I signed up for Ironman. Okay. I've got six months to learn how to swim and to figure it all out. I like that. It gives me that adrenaline and and focus. (laughs) It was like a little scary, like Bigfoot, but yeah, scary. And so I ended up joining our local running store because they had, this was in the early 2000s, like 2003, Seattle Running Company, I knew would have these long runs on the weekends because they were mostly trail runners and ultra runners before I really knew what that was. I was the Ironman triathlete training for that, but I wanted the long run and I didn't know the lay of the land. And so the owner of that store, Scott McCubrey, who's pretty well known in our, in our ultra running world, he took a lot of us under his wing. He taught us everything we needed to know. And he drove us out to the Cascade Mountains and the Olympics or whatever, just beautiful trails. And he would set up these aid stations and he was just encouraging. And it was so beautiful. So then I started thinking, why am I on the road if I can be on the trail? And yeah. the people, the trail runners were so much fun. Right. They would go out and they were like running 30 miles just because they weren't even training <laughs> for anything. That's just what they did. I was like, that's yeah. great. And so it was really inspiring because they were tough and humble and just fun. And just, the crowd was just very eclectic and people from all walks, all ages. And I loved that. Not everybody was the same. Yeah. Conversation was great. And they were encouraging and inviting and welcoming. So that's how the transition happened. I was running as the triathlete. Ended up doing Ironman one or two of them actually. And then thought, I'm going to sign up for 50K. And then it started with that group. They didn't do that particular race, but they were my inspiration. And I'd go out on the weekends and run with them. And we'd all bounce around what races. There weren't as many back then. Of course, this was 2006 by the time I actually ran my first ultra. Yeah. I was I'm because I'm looking at your ultra sign up here and I was following along there. Yeah. 2006 Mount Hood 50. Yes. Uh, yeah. What was that experience though? Compared to Guns and Iron Man, how was it? I loved it. It was trails. It was along the yeah. Pacific Crest Trail. It was in Oregon. Mm-hmm. Small. People were supportive, encouraging, friendly. At that point, I loved the triathlon scene, but it was definitely a different energy. Like triathlon, yeah. like they out your age on your calf. And I don't know if they still do that, but it's more of a competitive, oh, I got to get this person and yeah, on your yeah. left. And, and I didn't feel that with the trail running scene. I was like, oh, we're just out here having fun. But yeah. you're doing awesome. And let's go do something else crazy. So it was, it was 
encouraging and beautiful. And I love nature and I did love mountain biking. So it brought me back to, oh, back on the trails, I'm running, but now I'm back on the trails, which is what I loved about mountain biking. So it was, yeah, I did that one. And then shortly after it just spiraled from there. Yeah. Yeah. The ultra trail running community is so cool. My, my wife, she's been around like road races, marathons and all that. And uh, one of the first ultras that she came with me and I think I podiumed, maybe even won it. And it was like hardly anybody there and you got a little trophy. She's that's it. I was like, yeah, that's it. Let's go. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, I, that, that's what I'm here for. Yeah. And I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. You, and I just have to say I, where you get to run out there, just beautiful, just gorgeous. And even just trails here in Oklahoma and Louisiana, we've got, they all have their beauty. I cut my teeth at South Louisiana in the swamps, some swampy trails mm -hmm. stuff and really cool. And then here in Oklahoma, we've got some nice rocky areas, some good trails and all, but the mountains just so beautiful. So what got you or how long was it? I could probably look here and cheat, but do you, you're doing these 50 Ks and 50 milers. And then you decide, I want to step up to the hundred mile distance. How did that happen? Yeah, that was a few years later, actually. I was hovering at the 50 K, 50 mile. And then let's see, what was my first hundred? Tahoe Rim Trail, I think. And so I did actually live in the States briefly before I immigrated. So I should back up and yeah. say that Okay. Uh, briefly. We did a, a tour in San Francisco and we would ski Squaw Valley. And so I knew Lake Tahoe and I loved it. I had good memories of that. My, my family did a, a cabin share with other friends. And so I thought Tahoe would be a beautiful place to try my first hundred. So yeah. I did that a few years later and that was, I had a great pacer and I, it was very good experience. That's Lake Tahoe is beautiful. I've done the Tahoe 200 out there and I just love Tahoe during the summer. It, Isn't I've it? Never been, I've never been during the winter. Uh, uh, I'd imagine it's great too, but uh, with skiing and all, but it is just, it is gorgeous and running. It's magical. There. Oh, it is. Yeah. That's the way to put it. And did you, when you did it, because that was what, 2010 did, did they still, they had that same buckle with the cool coin on it? Yeah. They the had it. Yeah. Did you do the Tahoe 100 as well or? No, I would like you to. You just because, know the buckle. Yeah, yeah, that is a fine buckle. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that funny how we look at the buckles? Oh, I want this buckle. I need to go run to get that buckle. <laughs> exactly. It's, they're yeah, they're nice, awesome. man. And that, they and are. That's very original, very cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, that one's, on, I'd like to go. I've done 200 miles around it. I did a hundred mile of the 200 miler this past year. And, but I would like to go out there and do that one. It's just gorgeous. And what a cool race for your first one, man. That is awesome. It was a lot of fun. I really loved that one. It was everything and more. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we're talking about your first one, Tahoe, and then your second hundred miler, unless your ultra sign up is wrong or unless I missed something, but your second one was Western States, right? Yeah, you can tell I like that area, that general area. It was. I put in for states and UTMB at the same time, and, and I got into both the first time I tried, which is unheard of, unbelievable. But back then, it was definitely a lot easier, yeah. but I still feel like I had some good lottery luck, and I felt like I really couldn't do both the same summer. I just wasn't going to be able to do that, and the obvious answer was going to be Western states. I didn't even know about it. And my friends found out before I was did because I was in New Zealand doing a race called the Kepler challenge at the time. <laughs> and I, my phone, I was doing the race, came back and my phone was blown up and can I pace you? Got in. Congratulations. I was like, which one? Which, because I put <laughs> yeah, it to both of them. And then so it was States. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do Western States. So I was, and I'm so glad for that experience. That was my hardest race to date. Yeah. That really was. Yeah, a lot canyons. 
oh, yeah. the heat and the downhill. And just, I think for the, everybody has different skills and abilities and what their are and the way they train and that I'm glad I did it, but oh, that was a rough one. That was it for me. That was a rough one. It was the, the heat yeah. and the downhill, my quads. I think mm-hmm. I wasn't quite, I don't think I prepared for it as I should have. I just ran my way into fitness and raced my way, but didn't really pay attention to all that downhill, like pounding and practicing downhill yeah. running in it. Oh boy. It got up to me. I kind of yeah. death marched the end of that. <laughs> and for a while, <laughs> but you, got it, you got it done. <laughs> I got it done, but I was like, should I have just quit? Like maybe I should have DNF because it wouldn't be so broken. I was pretty broken <laughs> for a while after that one. <laughs> but yeah. you live and learn. The hard thing about, I did it in, in 19, 2019. And it's so hard. Like we had the like 10 miles of packed snow on top. I never ran in snow. And so we're slipping and sliding everywhere, running in snow. And then later on, of course, you've got the canyons and, huh. <laughs> I don't know. I can't get used I to that. Similar, similar. The year I did it, we had the, I think the first 50 K was snow. It was one of those weird years where we had an alternate yeah. course and we were all sliding around and that's, it takes a beating on your body. And maybe that was part of it too. It was maybe always the downhill running, but I was worked early yeah. on really worked and yeah. I felt it. That was definitely a challenge. Yeah. Well, let's, I want to pause real quick and cause you've done some other great, great races in your area. But so what, when you're training for a hundred or even those that you did, what do you, first of all, how do you train? And then I want to ask you about like nutrition wise, what do you do nutrition wise for these types of races? I've never been coached. And I always, I do wonder, I think it would be great to do that. I don't know. I think it's too late, but I, sometimes I wonder if I'm even coachable because I just want to go have fun. And so I just want to go, I plan adventures. I go explore. I am like, let's go do this traverse. And then that turns into my training. It's not really very specific. It's just a general fitness. But for me, it's like, it's gotta be fun. I need to stay motivated. I need to be enjoying it and genuinely just love being outside and pushing my body. That's my approach. And it's all perceived. There's not really writing out plans for me. I do it. And then I will I have a Coros watch, so I know like later, okay, I did that. And then sometimes I'm like, how many miles did I do this week or how much vert? I do it like in hindsight, just to make sure I'm not overdoing it or just on track with what I think I should be doing. But I've just, over the years, I feel like that's a good method that works for me. And so my, that, that's my approach is perceive, just go out have fun. Yeah. Generally, I know if I'm doing a training for a hundred miler, I should probably hit, be hitting for me. My peak weeks, the high seventies, eighties, yeah. you know, that, so yeah. I generally do that. Nutrition, I'm really lucky in that I have a solid stomach. And I wonder if it's, we've spent so much time living around the world, like months yeah. in Nepal, four months yeah. and in Africa, boy, I can just throw food down. So I, and I love eating and I don't really have the nausea. That's my superpower is that I can fuel. You know, I, and I'm not real particular about gels. I'll do that. I, not too much caffeine, not too many sweets just because the sugar levels spiking and crashing. I don't want that. But otherwise, if someone hands me a cheeseburger, like a Bigfoot, oh yeah, let's have eight of those yeah. throughout the course or, <laughs> yeah, burrito yeah, yeah. or whatever, I'll take it. So yeah. I've been really lucky with nutrition. There are some things that, that I really enjoy, you know, more than others, but I wouldn't even say that it's across the board. I feel like I can adapt to whatever's there. Not really any specifics. That's pretty good. What do you bring certain things with you as far as electrolytes and uh, nutrition? Do you, there's a like certain things you bring with you and then you just eat whatever. Yeah. I've done it different ways. Western States, I knew it was going to be hot in those canyons and I was worried about electrolytes. And so I probably had some noon and then a noon electrolyte drink and then maybe carried 
succeed tablets, little salt tablets and pop yep. those when my hands were swelling or I had certain indications of feeling like, okay, I need a little more salt. But at the 200 mile, like at Bigfoot, I would just use tailwind because I wanted the calories and I got bored mm-hmm. of just water. So I do one water, yeah. one tailwind. But yeah. I, a lot of times I change it up. And fortunately, that has not been something that I have to spend a great deal of attention. It's more of my feet. Everybody has their areas. I'm like, yeah, I got to yeah. figure out foot care. Nutrition, it's just pop it in and it's it goes. It works. Yeah. And I like Man, it. That's, <laughs> that's awesome. So I'm the opposite because I've had IDNF Moab previously and it was because of stomach issues. And my feet are always great, man. My feet are awesome. Lucky. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that that's great. So yeah, you went on and you did, you've done, you're, I'm going to encourage people to go look at your ultra sign up. You've got a lot of races on there, a whole bunch, but like I was just looking at hundreds, you've done Cascade Crest twice. Did you end up doing UTMB? On our own. So we ended up going and doing it over, I think it was four or five days. And it was so much fun. It was after our through, we through hiked the great Himalaya Traverse in Nepal. And we spent three months doing that. And then afterwards we went out in the Tour de Mont Blanc, which is the majority of that course. And it was so much fun just to see it all during the daytime. And I had a little nostalgia because I grew up over that generally the Alps and we could eat good food at night and we could be comfortable and take a snooze and nap. It was <laughs> such a great way to do UTMB because I've had yeah. so many friends do it and they get hypothermic or rained out or the course gets shortened or there's issues. And I was like, yeah. this is a beautiful way to do it. And you still feel worked. And that's a challenging course. So even if you're doing yeah. 20s every day, you still feel like you, you did something and you're enjoying your food, your meals. It was really, yeah. so I didn't do the actual course but in, in one shot as a race, but I did it eventually do. We did the Tour de Mont Blanc. Yeah. All the adventure and scenery and not nearly the stress. Exactly. It's a great way. I highly recommend doing it that way. Oh man. So you've really been on some, you're just throwing these around. Hey, we, we were, we did this and like, you've been on some adventures, some really cool. What's your favorite, I don't know, adventure hike that you've been on. Like what has been the most rewardful for you? That's a good question. I don't even know if I can say I have a favorite because they're all different. The great Himalaya Traverse was the hardest thing I've ever done and probably will be the hardest thing I've ever done because any harder than that, I'm not sure I would live to tell. It was like a very high altitude orienteering multi-month. There was just three of us and we did it on our own, self-supported, wow. self-guided, without porter support and uh, route finding and snow and blizzards and six passes above 20,000 feet. And then five were technical with ropes and just crevasses and crampons, mountaineering basically. And it was incredible because also language barrier, remoteness, access to food, like that was an issue. Yeah. Going through towns where people, where they were deserted and then having to troubleshoot. So food rations, like severe food rations. So for that reason, that was, and it was my first through hike. (laughs) It was 1200 miles. That was it. Oh boy. Yeah. How do you prepare for something like that? Like, seriously, how do you, how did you get physically and logistically? How did, how do you prepare for that? With that one, we went straight from our wedding. It was our two and a half year tour. And we were like, what are we going to do in Nepal? What about this great Himalaya traverse? And so we'll through hike and see the country because we crossed the Himalayas and went through all these beautiful areas. And it was an amazing way to to experience Nepal. But we were in Thailand renting a treehouse, like literally living in a (laughs) treehouse. And we were like, well, we probably should. And I don't know that I would recommend doing this, but this is what we did. We were told you might want to fatten up, eat pack on some pounds and maybe gain gain some weight. And we were like, oh, okay, that would be fun. So we went out and got extra like smoothies and and crepes and desserty type things and had a lot of 
incredible food. So we, that's, we trained by getting a little extra cushion on the body so we can have some reserve. And then really we hiked our way into fitness. So we just day by day, our packs were really heavy because we had some mountaineering stuff and ropes and zero degree bags and winter gear is just so much heavier. We had a sturdy tent, not the ultralight things. They wouldn't have held up. So we, for that one, we hiked our way into fitness. Wow. Wow. So I have to ask, how much weight did you put on before the, (laughs) and did you take it all off? I know, right? I didn't have access to a proper scale, but I will say on some of those Nepali flights, they weigh you and your backpack to go onto the flight because the flights, the planes are so tiny and they have plane wrecks and things like that. So they just weigh you and make sure that everybody can fit and stuff. And I remember, I feel like it was 10 pounds that I put on. Uh, Clothes were a little tight. But that came yeah. off quickly and some, yeah. I don't know, like I did not do that for Bigfoot or the Pacific Northwest trail or any of the other, like we've done some lots of through other through hikes. So there's different ways to go about it, but I did try yeah. it that time. I needed the reserve in the end, but I think there's other ways to enter through hiking and prepare for them too. Yeah, I've never considered that. I haven't done any big through hikes or anything, but I was like, ah, oh, it'd be a fun reason to eat for a bit. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. It was weird, but it was fun. <laughs> it was, yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. So Nepal, what, what's another one that's really memorable that you've done? Not This one isn't a through hike, but it's something special that our friend Jeff List, who lives here in Anna Cortez. He's also in the ultra running community, has been many times, 10 time hard rock finisher, like old time friend. He spent maybe, I don't even know, several years in the making of designing a route. A lot of it is off trail cross country to circumnavigate Mount Baker. And nobody, I guess two guys had done it many years ago, like 30 years ago, and it took him multiple months. And he designed this route which was technical in areas, some trail, but some like actual, some scrambling and forests and bushwhacking and things like that. I love that because it was, there was just four of us and the camaraderie and then just the slow travel, like one mile per hour. Like it was that kind of travel in areas yeah. and just recognizing how you can circumnavigate these volcanoes and wade through rivers and cross all this terrain. It was brilliant. And he led us, he did all the work. He showed us the way it, it was really an extraordinary opportunity. And I don't think anyone's done it since he's got the tracks, like he's the legend behind that. So yeah. that was special in that way, but Pacific Northwest trail was great too. In its own way. I think they all like all the different ones we've done have been special for different reasons. Yeah. Yeah. And so you, it sounds like you've had this just, just cool balance of you're running or doing races and doing it. These, I don't know, these ultra marathons out in cool places, but then you're also just adventuring yourself, getting out, doing things. And by the way, Courtney Walter kind of trains like you do. So she just, what do I need to do this week or today, this morning? Yeah. It just gets out and does stuff. <laughs> and so it works for her. It's for working sure. for her. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But what a cool, a cool balance. Cause you know, for races, you still, you're having fun, but you gotta, you still have cutoffs. You still have, so you, it's a little bit different. You're out in, in, and you got trail markings. You don't have to worry about navigating as much and things like that, but then you still have the adventures and it's cool to be able to slide back and forth in between mm-hmm. them. I love it. In, in fact, we talked, I talked with Nick because Nick's, I don't even know why, if I would ever run an ultra, because I could just run these trails for free. Yes, it's true. <laughs> but you don't get a cool buckle. That's how I did Bear 100. Yeah, I went out and ran that course. I don't, my husband and I went out and did that. We just set up a shuttle, car shuttle, with the yeah. intent of me running it. But that was my one DNF. So I'm glad that I actually ran the course before. So 
Maybe that that's, didn't, maybe that's why DNF because it didn't have the incentive. <laughs> I don't know. I've like, been there, done that kind of, yeah, yeah finished. I know. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. So you've got, you've gotten to do these amazing races. You're doing adventures and what, what made you sign up for Bigfoot? I, it's, you know, it's in your area, but what drew you to it? And what was the carrot in front of you? I, the tour, Tour de Jean, I have a friend who did that many years ago and he did a slideshow on that. And I thought, wow, that is mind blowing. And it's one of those things where you close your eyes, but you squint and you're like, Oh, I like it, but that's scary. That's horrendous. Oh no. Oh no. But so the seed was planted that like 10 years ago when he had done that or however, when he did many years ago. And then I just continued to travel and through hike and climb peaks and do stuff and race in between. And it was really on the Pacific Northwest trail where my husband and I was just grinding out every day, sunrise, sunset. And there's something just so lovely about pushing hard in the mountains and rugged terrain and putting in big miles, but also not as I'm aging, not feeling like I have to go super fast and be high speed. My birthday was coming up. And so I was, um, I was like, maybe for my 50, I'm 50 now. And I was like, maybe for my 50th birthday, I'm going to try something different. I haven't done a 200 miler. Bigfoot would be awesome. It seems up my alley. I knew it was a little more rugged and with vertical gain. It just seemed like the things. And I'd run around and skied up and down Mount St. Helens and Adams. And I'd been in the area, like lots of the yeah, trails. Yeah. And I thought, oh, but the funny thing is we'd already been several weeks underway on the Pacific Northwest trail. And we were out at a coffee shop eating and I checked, I logged on to social media and I saw destination trail races had posted, oh, you got to put in for the lottery. And basically I was like, my husband's John. I said, we have, I have to make a decision. Like it's now, or I'm going to unplug and go into the Olympics and I'm going to miss the boat. And so (laughs) I was like, Oh no, Oh no, Oh no, I'm going to do it. So I just signed up and it was really the PNT that lifestyle. I thought I want to do it. And I want to try something different. I've been doing the hundred miles or 50 K 50 K hundred K. I had not done that distance. I had done the through hiking. I've been at this endurance stuff for 25 years or so. I thought, I don't know. I don't, can I do it? Maybe I think so, but I'm not sure. Okay. That's the feeling I want. You really respect it. You're scared. You're going to honor that training and you're going to do all the things, no shortcuts, do all the work. And so I just put in for it. And then I was like, the universe is going to decide and sure enough, I got in. I was like, uh-oh. Yes. Oh, no. I don't know if I really Yay, that. crap. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, no. It's real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you had, you knew what to do when you're training for 100 intuitively. So what did you do different? differently for Bigfoot? How did you go about? What, you know, what kind of a different approach did you take? Oh, I had my best times. We're getting ready for Bigfoot. I had so much fun. So my husband's a peak bagger. He does the, he wants okay. to do all the 14,000 foot peaks in, in the country. And he's done all of them nice. in Colorado. He had a handful left in California and he said, okay. And you know how marriage is, it's compromised. So I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah. I'm going to train for Bigfoot, but we're going to take off a few weeks and have a great time. He has a 2002 Toyota Tacoma beat up truck. And we're like, we're going to live out of that truck. And we're going to take a few weeks and road trip and climb Whitney and tag some peaks, high peaks. And so that's what we did. We he got to check off his peaks. I got my altitude training. I wore the packs that I was going to shout yeah. out to Ultra Spire. I wore their packs yeah. that I love and trained with that. So it's great. I was used to a little extra heavy weight with all my layers, all the, basically the mandatory gear kit that they have us put into the 200 mile races was yeah. what I'm carrying in these mountains. They're big pushes. And I, if there's something going wrong, I want to be able to live and spend the night on the mountain if I need to. So I yeah. had all that gear and basically we lived out of the truck and we 
climbed and, and then sometimes we'd shuffle along and do a trail run, but mostly we were climbing peaks and it was so much fun. We had a blast. And sometimes we do some fast packing and short backpacking trips. And that is how I got ready for it. And then towards the end of my training block, like leading up to the highest volume weeks, I did a little more specific things, like a little more running focus, a little more intent on repeats and did some stuff locally. And it was a lot of fun. It was so much fun. I really liked that. And I was like, maybe I should make this my lifestyle because it yeah. motivates me to do the things that both of us love to do. My husband's less of a runner. He's more yeah. of a skier climber. And I was like, this is something we can both do and have fun. Yeah. How cool. How yeah. waiting to hear, oh, it was a grind. And I did all these miles. Like, I had a blast. I went back some peaks and <laughs> so much fun. Oh, and then we went out to the San Juans and the guy, Jeff List, I brought up with the Mount Baker circumnavigation. He was doing his 10th and final hard rock and I paced him. But before that he crewed us and we did soft rock. So we did in the nice. San Juans, the course, the hard rock course yeah. over three days. All of that was a blast. It was things I wanted to do. And it was definitely relevant to Bigfoot training. So it's just adventuring and having a blast, like living your best yeah. life. And, and it happens to pave the way for Bigfoot. It got me ready for it. Can't so ask cool. for a better. Yeah. Yeah. I have to ask, cause I'm on, I'm an ultra spire team also. Which mm -hmm. pack did you use? I used the Zygos and I noticed a nice. lot of people yep. like that one. Which one did you use? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I'm debating now for Moab, which whether to try to the big uh, Browning. <laughs> yes, the big uh, Bronco. That's the one yeah. that I want to get. I think that's coming out next week or I don't know if it's available yet. I think so. I think, it, yeah, I think it's, I think it's coming out soon. And uh, so I don't have the Zygos. I have an Epic. I think the Epic might be a little big, but it's not, and the Zygos is, you, you have to pack it out pretty good though, to get all yeah. the required gear in, but it fits. The big Bronco seems really fun. Actually, while we were in the Sierra Nevada, living out of the truck. Sure enough, this is so ironic. We were at the bottom of a 13,000 and change foot peak. I was reading in the back of the truck, just reading in the shade. And I looked over and I was like, Jeff Browning. And he's like, Kathleen, like we ran into each other and he had just come down from the peak. He and his friend ran it, hammered it. He was training for hard rock. And, yeah. and then we got to just talking about gear and all the things. And he, he designs for ultra spire and I've known him for yeah. a lot of years. And he showed me the little, the little Bronco. And I was like, yeah. that is an awesome pack. And I really am looking for something for Bigfoot. And I, if that was bigger, that would be like the perfect thing. And then he's like, that's actually a work in progress. So I knew, yeah. but I saw it. The design is similar. I think just the capacity is bigger and that's going to yeah. be the perfect pack. I think for me, we'll keep my eye on that one. I think it's coming out soon and yeah. I would love, there's some spe special things about that pack that I think is going to be really efficient for a 200 miler. Yeah, I think I'm going to get it and I'm going to alternate with both of them to try because and there's some things with the Zygos that I, and that I'll probably do differently because because when it's loaded out, the bladder's hard to swap out. And so just use more bottles because yep. you can fit them everywhere. Did you do that? Did you use bottles? I did or did bottles. You use bladder? Okay, how bottles, many bottles yeah. did you carry? I think I had two in all areas and I would do one tailwind for the calories and I had never trained with tailwind, but that was a wonderful thing. It was just everything. I could just yeah. feel it helping me. And then I had water just because I don't always want so much sweet. And then I think one section during the heat of the day, I had an extra bottle just as an in case, but that's the great yeah. thing about the Zygos is it has all these pockets and you can shove yeah. everything everywhere. And yeah. I like the bottles because I can see how much water yeah. I have pinched on adventure runs, the back of my backpack thinking, oh, I have water in my water bladder. And it was my Houdini. It was like my ring, my shell. 
And, yeah. and I was like, oh no, I'm dry. And I felt like I had water in there or they've popped off and leaked. I've had yeah. issues with bladders. So yeah. I've moved on to, to bottles. And that's, I've gotten where I do bottles. I, I use the momentum vest a lot because oh, of the bottles that, that yeah. fit in the back. That's my go-to. I, I did it mm -hmm. for Western States for all my hundreds. It's just perfect. But I think with the Zygos and the back, that outer pocket is so stretchy. I could put some extra bottles back there because Moab, I'm going to need to carry more than just a couple bottles. And yeah. I think I can put multiple bottles in it and I think it'll work. But I think I'm going to try and get the big Bronco and see what it can do too. Because I, I mean, I'm talking about collecting gear. I like stuff. I like to try those things. <laughs> yes, I do. I love gear. I will admit that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Simple know, in a lot of ways, but I do like my gear. So I want to go play and have fun. And yeah. if you get good gear, it can do a lot of good things for you. Much better experience. With, and they yeah. last a while. You invest yeah. in good quality and then you can have it for a long time. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. So, well, before we get into that, all of the, uh, I want to hear all about Bigfoot. What gear did you end up using? What shoes did you wear? And you said you have a coral. So which Coros watch did you have? I, so they had a recall. I had the, was it the Apex, I think, and they had a mandatory recall. And then oh, yeah. I was in Colorado in the San Juans doing the hard rock and soft rock training and stuff. And they couldn't, the mailing address and shipping and me. And I was like, I'm basically, they were super nice and said, why don't we just give you rebate, like some money towards, you can either replace what you have or use it and upgrade. So I upgraded and I think I had the Apex Pro. Is what okay. I think I have is a good, solid, long. Yeah. And then I had charging capabilities and that sort of yeah. thing. So I was very happy with my watch. I use, I, I use Hoka's. I've been running in those for a while and I ran in the speed goats and alternated with the Mafati threes, which was a nice little, just changing up the feeling and yeah. pressure points. And then I had a road shoe for the end, which didn't, I didn't have, I was being hunted. I didn't have time <laughs> to actually go into the big wide road shoe in the end. I just had to bust through that last aid station, but yeah. So I alternated my shoes and I don't do, normally do that for hundreds, but for two yeah. hundreds, I was like, I think I'm going to do that because foot, my feet are going to be an issue. And so that was an area where I knew I needed to spend some time troubleshooting. Gotcha. Gotcha. So tell me, tell me all about Bigfoot. I, I experienced some of the course and what was, how'd it go? Let's dive deep there. Your first day you take off. How's it going? Yeah. I, so I love Mount St. Helens and have run around it in either direction several times, skied up and down, hiked up and down. I, and I hadn't been in years and it was really nice to go back and it was so beautiful and it was not as hot as it has been in previous years. We were really lucky. It was yeah. actually pretty pleasant. So it made it easier just because it was warm, but not, I've heard before that is just brutal out there. And I That's can imagine, right? Me. Yeah. I ran with a gal there, super nice girl and just chatted and kept a nice, easy rhythm. I didn't care and didn't pay attention to who was where and what didn't really matter. I knew this was me a long multi-day thing Just stick within with trust in my training. I knew I'd been out and could maintain that pace that I was going. And it was great having conversation. So distracting and all of a sudden 50 miles were done. And that's when I, someone had said, Oh, you, you caught up to the first place woman. And I was like, really, who's that? And then they pointed her out and then she and I got to talking, we were at the aid station together. And then we, after the 50 mile mark, we kind of leapfrogged a little bit. And she was yeah. telling me that she wasn't feeling well. She had some stomach issues and was nauseous and working on that. And she said, she was, I think I'm going to drop at Norway, which is mile 65. So yeah. but she was 
struggling with that. And I encouraged her to stick with it. And these, yeah. these races, a lot of times you feel like crap. And then four hours later, you're cruising. You feel a lot better. And I was trying to encourage her and uh, she seemed pretty down. And I think she did end up at Norway and took a long break, but didn't quit because later, like a day later, I was like, is that her? But of course, everybody changes outfits and hats. And yeah. and then I hadn't slept in a couple of days. Everything's blurry. <laughs> yeah, your yeah, your yeah. mind is mush. And I was like, I think I'm always, is this for real? Because this could be her. And she looked really strong and she looked really good. And then yeah. I realized that that actually is her. And, and then in the meantime, I had been running with another woman who I think was in front at a point. So she and I were leapfrogging. Everything was great. But then later in the race, it was really between myself and this other girl and she, a lot of big footage is really remote. So you don't get feedback. And when you're in the yeah. front, you definitely don't know what's behind you. My crew would stay there and pacers and then meet me at the next thing and say, either we saw her while we were hanging out or we didn't, but it was hard for me to know where I was and what was going on. I just knew that I was in front after mile 50 and yeah. I was uncomfortable with that because I'm not that kind of runner. Anyway, I basically the next 150 miles was just trying to stay in front and stick with what was going to work for me and hope for the best. And then yeah. sleeping and working all that in and I had some foot care issues, just trying to figure out how am I going to get through this and ideally stay where I was. I liked the place that was in. It was pretty cool. And I was running with some really good, really cool guys. It was just a fun experience. I'd say definitely low moments. It was hard. Yeah. And I tried not to get too worked up in the, oh, the legs and how am I going to do this? And it's overwhelming. Yeah. If you start yeah. saying, how am I going to be out here another hundred miles? I feel like this now <laughs> trying to put yeah. that away, compartmentalize as we tend to do, break it down into small points, look forward to the friends you meet, talk, carry on. I think that's how I got through it for the most part. Did you find yourself struggling because I've been in that situation before where I'm just going and my goal is to yeah, finish with a decent time, be proud of my, and then you find yourself maybe podium or, and then, ah, I got a, I got a race now, but you still want to run your own race without over trying to balance resources and all that. Did you find yourself struggling with that a little bit, trying to stay ahead, but not burn yourself out? Yes, that's a good question. I would say the last 50 miles, that's what was going on. I think I was told by someone that she was really closing in. She was doing awesome. She was rallying. She was looking good and strong. Probably a lot better than I was looking. I was having some foot injury, like not injuries, but blisters and just things. And I, I was starting to slow down and she was closing in and getting closer and closer. And I was getting that feedback and they said, no, the reality is she's going to get you at the out and back. And I said, okay, that's whatever it is, what it is. I'm just going to yeah. keep moving and crap happens. But then she didn't. And then all of a sudden I had my feet done, lanced and bl blistered up, taken care of and took a snooze and then took off on the trail with one of my pacers, Chrissy Mel, who has a lot of experience in this. And she's, if you really want to stay in front, you got to just listen to me. And I was like, all right, let's do yeah. this. And so we just, she's okay. You're going to eat every half an hour. You're going to do. And I was like, whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do. I couldn't just like, yeah. this is one of my closest friends on the planet. And I'm like, I yeah. trust you. Plus you also are a professional runner. Like you've got the experience. Let's do it. And she kept me going and moved me along, motivated me and mm. said everything right. And I've had lots and lots of years of history with her. It was just absolutely perfect. And because of that, and my other pacer, Monica, and my husband, John, they just worked extraordinarily hard to keep me going, keep me happy, keep me moving, keep me fueled. And we did it. Very yeah, much a team yeah. effort. Without them, there's no way. There's no way I would have done this. I wouldn't have known where people were. I needed that feedback to move because at the very end, I realized she was like at one point, one and a half miles away. 
I was like, oh, that she's going to be, a, a, she's going to overtake me at the high school, like at the very end. Can't, this can't happen. Yeah. I'm like, oh, not at this point. No, that's yeah. not fair. That's not cool. Like, of course it's yeah, fair. Yeah, I don't yeah, want yeah. that scenario. So yeah. anyway, um, at that point, it points, I was doing eight and a half minute mile. It's amazing how you can hustle it out wow. when you really just put your mind to it and say, I really want this. Yeah. And, and my friends believed in me and we did it as a team. We did it. And then I think I ended up gaining five miles on her. I don't know, finishing an hour or two ahead of her. So it yeah. worked out fine to where it wasn't like a last minute sprint. Thank goodness. Yeah. I wouldn't have wanted that at the end. <laughs> yeah. But then when I finished, I was like, I need to sit down. And my muscles yeah. were like twitching. And I was yes. like, what just happened? I was a wreck. I was like, I need a wheelchair. <laughs> yeah. What just happened? You just won Bigfoot. That's yeah, I what know. happened. <laughs> I know. But I do thank her because had she yeah. not been so strong behind me and moving up, I wouldn't have motivated. I think together we we did better. And I think. We both appreciated that. It was a, a yeah. healthy competition. It worked out yeah. great. I think we both had better races because it was that challenge, but we kept it fun and good, like in a good yeah. way. Hey, what do we have? We've got a little more. Let's just do it. Let's dig deep. I love that. That's one of the things I, I really love about our sport. And I've been on, I've been in races with friends of mine and I want them to do well, but I'm going to try to beat them. And I've had races with good friends that they beat me and in some way I've be, I beat them and to podium yep. or whatever. And you congratulate each other and Hey, it was your day. And you, but you push each other and that's great, man. Let's see what we can get out of ourselves without killing ourselves. But it was good. I have a question because a lot of people ask me this, especially when I first did the Tahoe 200, I really didn't plan for sleep. And so what was your plan going into Bigfoot for sleep? Yep. And I was going to ask you that too, because I love <laughs> asking that people who've done these yeah. What is your strategy? So I asked a number of people who I've known who've done either Moab 240, Bigfoot 200, Cocodona 250, something, those multi-day yeah. things. And everybody had different answers of what they did. And so yeah. I was like, okay, this is getting overwhelming. And so I, my plan was just be adaptable and flexible and maybe just go as needed. And I knew I wasn't going to allow myself to go more than two nights without sleep because I didn't want to start going, losing my mind and yeah. getting yeah. cranky or mean with my dear crew and pacers. I didn't want to turn into that person. So I knew I was going to put myself to sleep at that point, but I also didn't know what would happen. And so I did keep full schedule and ended up going as needed. And it turns out I didn't need as much as I thought I might. Now, everybody's wow. different, right? Because some people fall asleep yeah. during hundreds and I've never had a problem in a hundred. It's Thanks. just that yeah. second night towards the evening, I was like, all right, I'm, I started feeling a little bit of impatience. Like where is the next age station? I could tell I was getting a little impatient more than I have in the past about things. And I was like, I think that's an indicator, maybe a little anxiety. I yeah. think I need to sleep. And that's exactly mm -hmm. what I needed. I laid down, put earplugs in, slept for half an hour and woke up. And I was like, this is amazing. I feel so much better. It was great. Yeah. So I did it that way. How did you, what did you do? So I, I kind of did the same thing for Tahoe and I probably went a little too long before deciding to take a nap. I ended up sleeping a total of about three and a half hours. Some of it was, okay, I just got to sleep and I'd crawl in the back of our rental and sleep for, I'd sleep an hour at a time, an hour here, half an hour there. It got to where I was so tired. The last, it was when we did Tahoe, the opposite direction from normal. So there was this aid station six miles from the finish. I took a half an hour nap six miles from the finish because I just, I was just <laughs> weaving on the trail. I was exhausted. Yeah. And then I flat out ran the whole, I was like, I jumped up, put my shoes on and I just ran the whole rest of it. I, really, I did well for a flatlander for sure. And so that's how I did it. But I've had other people, Taylor Spot. 
Ike who plays at least a certain time. And if he was ahead, that's what he would sleep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <That's how> he <laughs> would. <laughs> yeah. I've heard people say they take a Benadryl and then they continue to run for half an hour and then they take a snooze. And I've heard yeah. people bank it early on and sleep at mile yeah. 50. And then they eventually like don't sleep the last couple of days. And I've heard the reverse that people yeah. go as long as they can. And then they, and then other people take three minute dirt naps whenever they need yeah. along the way. So I don't even know, but I, yeah. whatever I did, I think it was, it worked well for me, but I was inefficient looking back there. I could have yeah. been more efficient. I've learned, I would do it a little differently, but I'm pretty pleased in general with well, how it unfolded. Yeah. And I think like for you, when I do Moab, I'm going to plan some of my sleep before it plans me because I wasted mm -hmm. way too much between eight stations, like not moving fast because I was falling asleep on my feet. Right. And that was just, if I would, and for even for Tahoe, I, I took a few dirt naps that helped. If I was just wasting time, a five, 10 minute dirt nap, and I was able to pop up and start running again. How long did you, do you figure you slept total? I think a total about 90 minutes. That's it. And really? then I laid down. Yeah. So they were two, two naps with effective sleep, the 45 and 45. And then I wasted yeah. time another two times where I laid down. But one of them, it was, it was just nice to lay down and have my feet up and just close my eyes. But you know how it is. There, you yeah. hear voices and clapping, and it's just a whole fun thing, air horn, whatever. It's yeah. a party. And yeah. you might want to be – so if I try to sleep at 2 in the afternoon, it was harder for me. So I waited until evening when it was darker and generally a little quieter. And yeah. then I would just sleep out on a yoga mat and under the stars, or I would sleep in a – I slept in a sleep tent. And I had earplugs, and I put my hood up over my head just kind of – but I do think noise counseling headphones would be a good choice if I was going to yeah. do it again. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did you take any dirt naps at all on the side of the trail? No, not opposed to it. I thought I'd be doing that. But honestly, I didn't see a whole lot of places where I could do it. There were yeah, bushes and debris <laughs> and right. Yeah. It's pretty rugged. Yeah. I was yeah, like, where would that be? But I do know I came up on someone. I was like, is that for real? Or is that a hallucination? <laughs> and it was someone taking a dirt nap. And I was like, I was shining my light on. I felt terrible. I was like, what is that? And then it was a person. I was like, oh no. But, but yeah, so someone did take a dirt nap and I know they're doing it on the course, yeah. but I just couldn't really figure out where. And yeah. And so I just took advantage of two of the sleep stations or yoga mat and they're next yeah. to the truck. Pretty simple. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And if you can find us, get a spot, a quiet spot and get some sleep, it's good. I came across that at, Ta at Tahoe. I thought it was, I thought I was seeing things, two people laying there and they had a little note folded by them saying, we're okay. We're just taking, we're just sleeping. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> Is it yeah. worried about somebody thought they were dead or something. I don't know. Oh, the things that these races are so much fun. I knew my crew, I was like, it's not going to be boring, but you might yeah. be tired, <laughs> but it'll be entertaining. You're going to see some carnage. You're going to hear some stories. You're going to see some yeah. characters. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's yeah. fun. How many burgers did you eat? You hinted at it earlier. I know, right? I think it was eight or nine cheeseburgers. That's about what I, I don't even, yeah. Really? And I don't even do that in regular life. But that's what was fueling me. I was like, this is working. And yeah. I loved them. I craved them. They went down easy. And the reality, I'm not going that fast. So yeah. I could digest yeah. them and move along. And it was just the right amount of everything. I even had the pickles on it and the condiments and yep, I'd yep. pinch little bites three in the morning. I'm eating. I let the pacers know I'm good. I'm eating every half an hour. I'm eating more. Yeah. That was my food of choice. Probably. I mean, I did mix it up. I had some egg burritos and quesadillas. Yeah. And I had all, the whole gamut, but I the cheeseburgers was, I was mostly fueled by cheeseburgers. 
that that was my jam too, man. I, I love it. I was like, give me a cheeseburger. I was like, that sounds yes. good. I chow down and, and at night I'd have a cheeseburger <laughs> and some some chicken broth or some ramen or yes. something to go with it. Man, I was yeah going to town. Same. <laughs> That's exactly what I was saying. I wonder how many cheeseburgers they go through. It seems like a lot of people do it. They're like, I need more pockets for all the burgers. So a lot of people are doing cheeseburgers. So yeah. I, that'd be a funny thing to try to guess how many burgers they go through. One of yeah, those exactly. I don't know how the vegans do it, man. I know. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Amazing. You get out there and you just want to accomplish it. And then you end up being first female. How cool is that? I just, you got pushed harder than you would have gone out. What a cool adventure for your first 200. And what a way to, what a way to finish it. I was, I, it was surreal. I wasn't, planning on it unfolding like that. And also it was in the moment, I was like, this is not how I picture Bigfoot because I was being chased. It's hard to be, try to be in the front for 150 miles. That's a lot of yeah. pressure and you don't have the feedback. But in the end, I was like, that's why I liked it. It was so cool. I love things that are extra hard and challenging and you work through that and you just keep your mind in, in your own race, your own abilities, your own thing. And the, there was something about the way that was done. I was glad in hindsight, but in the moment I was like, this is really stressful on top of yeah, stress, yeah. on top of stress. But yeah, it was surreal that I finished first place and the whole thing that even just, I know I had just done it, but I couldn't believe I just covered that distance and yeah. with minimal sleep and what our bodies and our minds, and I'd it's say amazing. it's even more mental than anything, right? It's fascinating. Yeah. 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 That I was going to ask, I think you just answered it. I was going to ask, why do you do these things? But you just to challenge and see what you can do. It sounds like what you just said. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I, it, the challenge. How about you? Why do you, what draws you? Same. I, the same. I just, after doing quite a few hundreds and I was, and I heard about the two hundreds and it had been just eating at me. And in 2018, when I didn't get into Western States, I immediately, I had my wife's permission to sign up for Tahoe and I went and I did it. And I've had some ups and downs with 200 since then. And I have unfinished business at Bigfoot and at Moab. And so I'm going, I got into Moab this year and I'm going to get it done. Awesome. <laughs> so, I'm excited for you. I will be tracking. I'll be following. Cheering all right. All right. I have to ask because I did hit before we started recording that I looked at your ultra sign up and I didn't see any upcoming races. So what's next? What's on your radar next? A lot of fun stuff. Actually, let's see spring. I'm looking at, so my pacer from Bigfoot, Chrissy Mel is a good friend of mine yeah. and Jenny Jurek, Scott Jerk's wife, the three of yeah. us went and did 200 miles on the Arizona trail last spring. Nice. And our goal is to section hike that together over the course of a couple of years. It's 800 mile hike. But not everybody gets that much time off. Kids, right. Jenny has children. And so we're going to chip away in, the, in April. We're doing another nice. 200 miles on that. I was going to put in for the tour, the Tour de Jeans, which is the one mm. in Europe. But I think I'll do that next year instead because my husband and I are going to go in the summer and go play around in the Pyrenees and do the Pyrenees High Route, which is a 500-mile through hike. And then we're going to go play around in the Dolomites and then maybe do some other stuff in Greenland. So we'll be doing some traveling and through hiking yeah. and backpacking and we've got some friends and just winging it one way. And I was That's like, cool. I could, how am I going to fit that race in there? The Tour de Jeans, because it's a big one. It's yeah. it got a lot of climbing in there. And I didn't want to be a burden on my husband if we're out through hiking saying, I need to get more vertical or this isn't the right landscape. I just want to have fun. And so yeah. we're going to do yeah. that scene, traveling, exploring some mountain stuff in the summer, spring and summer. And then I think next year I'll pick up some races again. That's the goal. Now I yeah. might sneak in something. I might yeah. do a last minute, but not a big one that I know yeah. of right now. <laughs> do you have any desire to do any of a Candace's other 200s? 
Yeah, actually, I, I when after, right after Bigfoot, I was like the Tahoe 200. I have an affinity for the area, yeah. but I realized that the registration had long closed, had long since closed. And then I started thinking about my husband wanted to go to do this crossing the Pyrenees Mountains, yeah. and I thought well, we do that, the timing and all the yeah. things. And I thought, well, I want him to get a summer that's really more of him this next summer because last summer was Bigfoot training. Yeah. So I've. I do. Absolutely. And Moab 240 does intrigue me. They all do. They all do. Uh, yeah, yeah. They're hard. And so, they're, yeah. I think Candace told me that the Tahoe is the prettiest. Someone told me that. I think that might even be her favorite one. And I can see why it's, yeah, it's going to be it's, gorgeous. Yeah. It's gorgeous. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. And then Moab's beautiful. And Moab's great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if I do another one. Yeah. Nice. Cool. So I, what I love is I'm, I'll be 49 this year and you outed yourself. You said you're 50. So this is a sport that we can, we can keep doing like you're planning for a future. You're out there adventuring and yeah, I'll do it next year, a year after and stuff. Our bodies, we take care of our bodies and we can just keep doing these things. And what a cool sport. And then you go win Bigfoot 200, but we still can be competitive and have fun and do all. It's amazing. I love it. I love it too. I, we can still do hard things. Even yeah, as we get older, that's right. we may not be sprinting as fast as we did in our twenties, but we can still do hard things. In some ways we can do harder things because I yeah. think about it and I'm like, would I have been able to do the Bigfoot 200 that way in my early thirties? Maybe not because I was more yeah. into speed and maybe mm -hmm. I wouldn't have paced myself. Maybe I would have gotten more competitive. Like I think it takes a certain level of experience or maturity just, and also self-care. Yeah. That's the other part that I like about the multi-day is and I learned that through hiking is you're not just investing in one overnight, like with a hundred miler, which is cool, but okay. I made a mistake, but I'm finishing up in so many hours. So I'm just going to do one overnight. You're really investing in the next day and the next day with feet, fuel, body, like taking care of things as they come like self-care and that's yeah. huge. And I love that. And I think that's really cool. And that comes with experience, right? Knowing that, oh, I can't get away with just eating sugar in the beginning because I'm getting my, I'm going to bonk and fade. Yeah. Got to last or just yeah. doing too much caffeine in the beginning. And maybe some people can, but generally speaking, just dialing it into a multi-day effort and staying healthy. I think that takes some experience and I don't think I would have had it. So yeah. So being older is cool. I like it. We can do good stuff. <laughs> We've got some experience, some life experience. <laughs> Yeah, I guess last question. How long did it take you to recover physically from Moab? How did you feel after and how long did it take? I was actually surprised because when I crossed the finish line, I eventually did see the second place woman come through and I thanked her and said, amazing, you know, wanted to check in with her. And she thanked me, but it was a good feeling. But I was like, you have me in a wheelchair. Like you were so amazing. <laughs> yeah. like, seriously. Only you, you could have done that. You, yeah, I know. Yeah. Like my muscles are twitching and I'm like sitting there like I can't move. So I thought it was going to be one of these longer, oh, cankles. And after, like after Western States, I had more of a physical delay recovery. But really within just a couple of days, I was moving around. And I think in five days, I was able to shuffle along and go for walk. I, yeah. The first few days, I didn't really want to do things. But right. but then after that, I was perfectly capable. And then I did a big push a month and a half later, I did a, a thing up in Canada, the West Coast Trail over a few days. Yes. And that was a lot of up and down and ladders, a hundred ladders and rugged trail. And so I was like, my body's recovered. The thing with me, Bigfoot was my mind. It, my, my mind like really needed some time. I did hit a low, the post-race low, and I hadn't experienced that before. So that was something that mm. kind of surprised me. 
after this many years, I finally had that. I had heard of it. People saying yeah. after you might get a little bit blue or down. And I did go through that. We did have a family loss. So the same time. So I had some other things going on, but so I was feeling a little flat emotionally. I would say that was delayed. That took yeah. a little longer to get the pep back and the excitement yeah. and the spunk that I normally have. But physically I was running with friends and feeling all right pretty quickly. Physically. Just I think those the hill climbing served me well. I think it prepared me well. And nutritionally, I took care of myself during the race. And I think that all helped with a quicker recovery, just not yeah. hitting going deep, digging deep into the well and beating myself up too much. Yeah. I think that all had a role in my recovery, but the mind is a whole nother thing. The sleep deprivation was mm. new and just pushing when I'm uncomfortable and that kind yeah. of stuff. Did, last question, but I lied. Did you hallucinate at all during this one? I did. I had the same kind I had in my hundreds before where you see the little alien in the tree, that kind of, but then like, it's really something else. You can figure out, oh, that's a branch in a weird shape. Um, yeah. I had those ones, but I actually had my husband and I simul hallucinated, which is really funny because well, I mean, he was sleep deprived too. He was crying and pacing, yeah, yeah. but we were out on a section and we were like, oh, that's a person. And we looked and we were like, that's not a person. We thought we saw like a hiker with a big backpack leaning over on top of a tree. And we both started laughing. Oh boy, we're yeah, totally hallucinating. Rough. <laughs> yeah. And then let's see. Then the other thing that was new for me was in the third night with very little sleep, I had this like inner outer reality experience where I was forgetting where I was. I yeah, don't know if you yeah. experienced that. I was like, yes, where am yes. I again? I was with my dear friend, Monica was pacing me and I was like, what am I doing again? Oh, I'm in Bigfoot. Oh, that's weird. That's right. I'm in a race. <laughs> and then I would like slip away. What am I doing again? And so finally she played like the BG. She had music playing on her phone, just to freshen us up. Like I was, I think I was falling asleep. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. did you have that happen to you? Like I had it and I was by myself and I was like, yeah. what? Oof. Yeah. It was weird. I'm like, I'm running and I'm on, he said it was at night and I saw other headlamps and I'm like, wait, yeah. where am I? What am I doing? Yeah. Again? I'm like, all right, running tile. Okay. Why am I? Why? Yeah. yeah. Why are those other people? Oh, they're running tile. Okay. And then luckily somebody came up and said, Hey, I'm having a rough time. Could we run together? And I was like, yeah, I'll be glad to help you. <laughs> you <know? Yes. laughs> yeah. Kudos to you for doing it solo. I had so much mad respect. That is yeah. a whole nother level. So congratulations yeah, I had a crew, to you. That is a whole nother pacers. level. Yeah, I had crew, that but is no pacers. Huge. But having the extra set of eyes so you don't wander off trail, just all yeah. the little things. And it's huge. It's I had a big advantage getting that extra support. So I have mad respect for you. Big congratulations. That's incredible. Yeah. Someday well, I would I'm like a... to try that. And I know it'll be wicked hard because of those things and a lot of other reasons. Yeah. But just, oh, Monica played loud music for me. So I was like, cause I was forgetting where I was and what I was doing. And we were walking along a ledge and I was like, yeah, yeah I probably should be a little more alert. Pay <laughs> attention to what's going on. <laughs> this yeah. right there. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. man. Colleen, I, thank you for sharing. I love hearing all your adventures and I'm glad I, I can follow you on social media and see the things that you're up to because I definitely want to follow the things that you're doing. And then when you sign up for your next race, I'll be cheering you on following along Aww. and <laughs> thank you likewise i'll be following you too it's been a lot of fun hearing about your adventures and what's up and coming oh i appreciate that and so thanks so much thanks for sharing sharing all your adventures and and your methods yeah with, with the it? people listening i'm learning every day thank you for sharing with what worked for you <laughs> you take care and you have a good evening i'll talk to you soon you too thanks a lot david